Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from Epicos Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. For more information about Epicos, please visit epicos.org. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. How are we doing today? Doing good? It, it, you made it through the snow. Like whether you're at Mayfair, whether at the East Side or Sherman, you made it in the snow. And that alone is worth some things this morning. I was joking with somebody in Wisconsin a couple weeks ago, expect 13 inches and we got one. They said, we expect one and we got 13. It's like, it's the most Wisconsin thing ever, right? Well, good morning. I'm so glad to be with you. Uh, my name is Tommy. I serve as the West Dallas campus pastor. Um, we're continuing on in our series this week called The Center of All Things. Center of all things. In this, we have been working our way through the book of Colossians, kind of verse by verse, and we're getting really close to the end of this. We're getting really close to the end of this book. And so as we jump in today, before we dive into the text, I do want to ask you a question. I want to ask you this question. Growing up, how did you view prayer? Growing up, how did you view prayer? I think coming into this conversation, whether you're at different campuses, online or here, there's so many different backgrounds that come in this room, right? So many different ideas and thoughts and experiences that we've had growing up that I think when we ask a question like this, there's lots of different answers we could get. Uh, For some of us, it may go, I don't know, I didn't grow up in church. That's just the thing that church people did. Or for others, it may be, well, that was the priest's job. I went to the church, talked with the priest. It was the priest's job to pray on my behalf. That's not something I do. That's something the priests or pastors do. Or maybe you prayed before you ate a meal, you know, like God bless this meal. Or anyone out here, this prayer sound familiar before you go to bed? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the soul, my soul, the Lord to take. By the way, really creepy prayer to pray as a five-year-old. Super creepy as a five-year-old, right? Or maybe um, you're like, I don't know, man, prayer is just a thing that I see on Twitter. Hashtag thoughts and prayers, right? For me, I grew up in church. Like that's my background. So a lot of times when I hear people talk about prayer, there's this image that comes in mind that I don't know where it comes from, but as someone standing going, you just need to read your Bible and pray more. If only you read your Bible and prayed more, as if like that proved my love for God, my prayer. And so it was this thing I had to do. Any of these sound familiar? Any of these sound like ways as you think about prayer that come to mind? You see, I think we have to ask the question, what is prayer? In fact, I would argue we need to ask the question, what is real prayer? And so I think that's what we're going to look at today. See, over the years, I've had to work through a journey and figure out, is that true? Is that what prayer is? Or is it something else? So my hope today as we unpack what prayer is, that we can actually look and say, man, let's see what God has to say about it. So in order to do that, we're going to dive into Colossians, all right? So you've got your Bible, your smartphone. If you want to go ahead and open up, we're going to be in Colossians 4. And we're going to be looking at one verse today, Colossians 4, 2. And as you're opening up, I just want to quickly recap Colossians up to this point. Um, Up to this point, Paul, who wrote this book, is writing to a church that's really trying to find its way. They're being pressured from the outside with different ideas and thoughts, and they're really trying to figure out who is Jesus for real. And Paul has spent the whole book, in a lot of ways, answering that question. At the beginning, he describes this is who Jesus is. He uses phrases like, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of creation. He's talking a lot about who Jesus is. And then he shifts and has this verse in 317 that says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. I think simply put, it would be this way. If Jesus is the center of your life, everything you do will reflect him. 
right? So that's what Paul has been going. And now we get to this final part, this final instructions that Paul is giving to this church that is trying to figure out who is Jesus. They're trying to wrestle with that. And he gives a super practical advice, super practical. And what is that? Well, it's the verse we're going to look at. Look at it, Colossians 4.2. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So the beginning of Paul's final instructions, the final things, he says to continue steadfastly in prayer. Now I think to help us understand this, this advice, we're gonna look at three questions. We're gonna look at three different questions. The first one is this, what is prayer? We need to ask that, right? If we're supposed to be steadfast in it. The second is, what is Paul's command for prayer? And the last one is, what are we to do in it? All right, what are we to do in it? These are the three things we're gonna look at. Um, so we're gonna start with the first one. What is prayer? And to be completely honest, when I grew, as growing up, I didn't really put much thought to what prayer is. I didn't really put a lot of thought to it. A prayer was the thing you did at church or the thing I should have done before I fell asleep, but I had really good intentions with bad follow through. Dear Lord Jesus, gone, right? Like that was prayer. But I think when you actually break down what prayer is, at its core, prayer is intentionally connecting and communicating with the real God. Prayer is intentionally connecting and communicating with the real God. It's communion with him. And I'm not talking communion like bread and juice like we do sometimes on Sunday mornings. I'm talking communion like the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings with God. It's a time where our hearts, our souls, and our mind are with God. If you actually pause and think about it, think about this. God wants to be with you. You ever thought about that before? God wants to be with you. Interrogate that for a second. Interrogate that thought. It's easy for me to take that for granted. Right? I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to communicate with him. But I forget the fact that it's like he wants to be with me. You ever had a conversation with someone that doesn't want to be there? It doesn't feel good, right? You feel like you're talking to a brick wall or anything. But let me say, sometimes in prayer, anyone ever feel like that? Let me, let me be completely honest. That's not who God is. He's not a brick wall. At his very core, God is relational. He has a name. He wants to be with us. Think about this. The God of the universe who created everything, bigger than we can imagine and fathom, he created everything, including the snow, which on a morning like this is probably not what you want to talk about. But the God who created everything wants to be with you. Think about that. As we dive into scripture, this isn't my words. As you dive into scripture, you see this idea of God wanting to be with his people over and over and over. The relational God is there. Jesus spent a ton of time with his disciples. Jesus spent a ton of time with people. The story of Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He spent a lot of time, he actually had a meal with Zacchaeus. He wanted to be with him. There's actually another story where Jesus sent the disciples on a boat, said, go get on a boat and go over there. I'm gonna go pray. He spent time in prayer himself with the Father. It's not just even in the New Testament. You go back to the Old Testament. Um, the next book we're gonna go into after Colossians is the book of Exodus. We're actually gonna be diving into the entire book. We're really excited about it. So I don't wanna give away everything, but one of the main themes in Exodus is God going to his, his people Israel who were enslaved in Egypt and actually pulling them out of slavery, re releasing them. You know why? 
because he wants them to be his people and he wants to be with them. This idea that God is with them, at his core, God is relational. And I think when we pray, we have to understand that he wants to be with us. We're not talking to a brick wall. We're talking to the God that wants to be with us. Prayer is then being with the real God. Let me ask you this. How would prayer for you look differently if you knew prayer was a two-way conversation? How would you pray differently if you viewed prayer as a two-way conversation with God? What would change? I think when we actually think about this, prayer is a two-way conversation. It's us talking to God, but also hearing from him too. For me, this was a major shift in praying. A major shift. I went from seeing prayer as something I had to do to actually something I get to do with God. It went from, all right, I need to check the checklist off to prove that I follow God. I got my 15 minutes in today to actually pausing and understanding that God wants to be with me. That he wants me to be aware of him. That he wants me to be in the presence with him. Um, And I think that this is really, really important too. Prayer can be done at any time. Anytime. Remember earlier when I talked about maybe some of us grow up where prayer can only be done in church, the thing the priest did? That's actually not true anymore. Now, in the Old Testament, it kind of was. There was this place in the temple called the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies was inside the temple. This is where God was. And the Holy of Holies was the specific spot where God resided. That's where his people met with him. And between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the temple was this huge tapestry. It was called a veil. And it was, it was there, and it was designed to actually be a symbol of kind of the only place where God is on the other side of it. So only the high priest could go in there. So in the Old Testament, it was true. The only place you really could pray was at the temple. However, something happened that Jesus changed that. In the New Testament, in the book of Mark, the final book, there's this little phrase at the crucifixion when Jesus is dying, and he breathes his last breath. It says right after that, and the veil was torn. Super simple phrase, but I think when it comes to prayer, it's monstrous. Think about this. Instead of having to go to the temple with the veil being torn, literally being torn in two, the thing that kept us away from being to be with God whenever, it was gone. The thing that kept us from being able to communicate with God is gone. Think about how much of a shift that would be. Go from the only place where a person could meet with God is the high priest in there to now we can pray to him whenever. We have the ability to pray and communicate and be with God whenever. Think about that when we're driving. By the way, please keep your eyes open. When we're with, when we're sitting alone in our room, when we're with our kids or with our friends or with whatever, when we're sitting before the table, wherever we are, we can pray and know that God is with us. I think this is mind-blowing when you think about it. Prayer is intentionally connecting and communicating with a God that wants to be with us. It's beautiful. So if that's what prayer is, prayer is spending time intentionally with him in conversation, I think the next one is, what is Paul's command for prayer? Right, so if that's what prayer is, what is Paul's command? We'll look back at 4.2, what does it say? Continually steadfast in prayer. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Now, this is a command, actually. Paul is not saying, like, you know, when you feel like it, you should pray. Or, you know, maybe you should think about the possibility of probably thinking about possibly doing the thing called prayer. Actually, what he's saying here is, do it. 
Continue in it. So there's this assumption of there's an actual thing of you're actually already doing it and continue steadfastly, keep doing it. Or I'll put it this way, don't stop or devote yourself to it. I I do think this begs the question though, why would Paul command the church in Colossians to be steadfast in prayer? Why? Now, remember what was going on in the church. What was going on? They're being bombarded by thoughts and ideas from the outside, telling them that, hey, um, that whole Jesus thing, there's some other things you need to grow on top of that. There's some other ways. They call it syncretism, taking worldly ideas and bringing it in and let it sync with who Jesus is. And Paul is, Paul is saying, so the question the church is dealing with is who is the real Jesus? And how does Paul answer that? Well, he spends a whole book talking about who Jesus is, but then he, he, he says, he at the end of the book, he answers, devote yourselves to being with him. The end of the book, he says, right here, devote yourselves to being with Christ. How do I get that? Well, if, if we've given the continue steadfastly, what is prayer? Prayer is being with God, right? He's saying, devote yourselves to being with him. You want to know who he is? Be with him. If prayer is the communication with Jesus, then devoting yourself to prayer would be devoting yourself to spending time with him in conversation. I think this is so smart by Paul. Paul is saying, you want to know the real Jesus? Be with him. Be with him. It seems straightforward, but think about it. If I want to get to know someone, what do you do? You spend time with them. And the more I spend time with them, the more I get to know them. And the more I get to know them, let's be honest, the more you become like them. Same is true with God. The more you spend time with him, the more you're going to know his heart, his character, what he's like, his loving, gracious, relational attitude. And the more you see his heart, the more you're going to see who he wants to be, which newsflash is actually to become more like him. So if I'm trying to figure out who is the real Jesus, what should I be doing? Spending time with him in prayer. And we get to do that Who we spend our time with is going to shape us into who we become. And when we pray, we are spending time with God and we will get to know him and become more like him. Um, One thing too that I think happens when we pray, not only do we become more like him, I've learned this, we recognize our need and dependency for him. We recognize how much we need him. Um, At its root, I think prayer is showing our deep need and dependency on God. And if I'm honest with myself, um, I'm not in control. I know I like to think that I am. I may have some control freak tendencies here and there, but like, if I'm truly honest, I'm not. Anyone other control freaks in the room? Okay, good. I've got at least one. That hand shot up. That's a little terrifying. I'm not going to lie. No, like, yeah, like, if I'm honest, though, I'm not really in control, right? There's nothing I can do to have complete control. I'm not. But who is? God. And I think in prayer, we're actually admitting and spending time with the one who is in control. Um, Recently, I think we were reminded very much of the fact of how much we're not in control. Uh, If you turn on the TV on January 2nd, if you turn, if you're on Twitter, ESPN or whatever, um, some kind of thing that's going to stick with us for a while happened. Um, This is the night uh, DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest happened. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, I'm a big football guy. My wife is a huge Bengals game. So it was a Monday night football game between the Bengals and, and, and the Bills, and they're playing each other. And one of the Bills players, DeMar Hamlin, um, he tackled a player. It was a normal tackle, but it did something to his body that actually put him into a cardiac arrest. Um, his heart completely stopped beating. We found out afterwards they did like 10 minutes of CPR on the field. Like just an absolutely terrifying situation, right? Um, but as the paramedics were working to save DeMar's life, which they were, thank God, um, did you catch what happened on the rest of the field? 
almost every single player and coach was on their knees praying. Their initial reaction amidst uncontrollable circumstances was to what? Pray. Regardless of what each of them thought about God, they prayed. And Twitter was filled with, you couldn't see anywhere, thoughts and prayers, right? I think that night showed us something. What is it that caused a hundred men to drop to their knees in prayer? I think it's at the fact that at our core, we recognize we're not in control. We're not. As much as we want to think it, we're not. And what is prayer? Here's what's beautiful. Not only are we conversing with and communicating with the real God, we're actually conversing and communicating with the one who really is in control. He's the one who holds it all in his hands. He's the one who at any point we can go to, he's the one that's in control. I think that's part of what makes prayer so powerful. We're actually talking with and conversing with the one who really has it all in his hands. And here's what's beautiful. He wants to hear from us. We get to converse and spend time with him. We are created to actually be dependent on God. And how do we spend that dependency? I think this is where Paul says it. By continually, steadfast, being in prayer. We get to be with the God who wants to be with us. Isn't that beautiful? So continue steadfast in prayer. So what is prayer? Prayer is intentionally connecting and communicating with the real God. What is Paul's command? It's to steadfastly continue in prayer. And what are we to do in it? What are we to do in it? Well, look at the rest of the verse, right? Look back at Colossians 4.2. Continue steadfastly in prayer. What? Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So what are we to do in it? Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. Now, what does that mean, right? What does that mean? Well, what is, be watchful in it. So is Paul telling us that I need to have my eyes open when I pray? Well, when you're driving, yes. Um, but I do think that, he, I don't think he's talking about having your literal eyes open. No, I think Paul is saying that when we pray, we become much more aware of God's presence all around us. We become much more aware of God's presence all around us. Um, let me put it this way. Have you ever purchased a car and all of a sudden you start seeing it everywhere? I was on a road trip last week with two buddies. My buddy just bought a Mitsubishi, which by the way, I forgot those existed. We're driving on the highway. Guess what I saw everywhere? Mitsubishis, they were everywhere. Um, actually, I wanna show you, this is a picture of my first car. Uh, not the one on the left, the one on the right. Um, that is a 1998 six-cylinder, cherry red Jeep Wrangler with a hard top, and that top could come off at any point. And the piece de resistance of that car, let me just tell you, had an Ohio State tire cover on the back of that thing. Oh, man. That car, it wasn't automatic, we can get over that later. But man, I loved that car. Um, one of the reasons I loved that car too is right when, about the time I bought it, um, not only was it fun to drive, but my wife and I had just started dating. And so we have many a dates in that car we were driving. You could actually, this car, the roof of it, you could take off. So there were multiple times where we would drive and we would have the stars above us. We lived, I lived in the country at the time. It was just, I have a lot of good memories. My wife and I were talking about this actually yesterday. She goes, do you remember the time I was in the back, she was in the back seat with my sister because we were going to get ice cream. My brother's in the front. We had the roof off of the car. We were driving and a bug hit the front of my window. So what do you do when a bug hits, right? You turn on the windshield wiper and you put on the spray. Well, when you don't have the roof on the top of the car, let's just say my sister and my wife got a, got a nice little water bath. Uh, no, it, it, this car has a lot of memories in it. Um, but one of the things about Wranglers, if you didn't know, Wranglers are like a religion, a little bit. And if you own a Wrangler, you're let into a secret, which I don't know if the Wrangler Illuminati is gonna come talk to me later, but I'm gonna let you in on this secret, all right? 
When you own a Wrangler, there is something called the Jeep Wave. Now, I wasn't made aware of this until I purchased this Wrangler. But when you buy it, every time another Wrangler, you pass it on the road, you are either, because there's no door, you put your hand out the window and you do the Jeep wave, two fingers out, or if your hand's on the steering wheel, you wave. And if you don't wave, you know what the other person in the car thinks? (laughs) He's renting that Wrangler. Like seriously, it was actually a whole subculture in the Wrangler. But I'll tell you what, when I, what's really interesting to me is before I owned a Wrangler, I never saw them. I never saw the wave, I didn't see around, but, but I, I, I came way more aware of the presence of them after I was with them. Now, were the Wranglers already there? Yeah, of course. But because I began to spend more time in the presence of my Wrangler, the more I began to see them all around. This is what Paul is getting at with prayer. The more we spend time in the presence of God, the more we see him all around. We become aware of God's presence in every situation. That's what prayer does. Is God already there? Yes, he is. He's already there. Prayer just helps me become more aware of his presence in all times. So not only do we become aware of his presence all around, which by the way, is gorgeous and beautiful, but Paul adds this little phrase at the end of it. He adds, with thanksgiving, right? Be watchful, be aware with thanksgiving. Let me, and I think this is really cool. He talks about with thanksgiving over and over and over again. But in prayer, I think there's something here. Let me ask you this question. How easy is it to view prayer as something I have to do opposed to something I get to do? How easy is it for me to flip from seeing prayer as something that I have to do, whether it's to prove my relationship with Christ or, or, oh man, I forgot that I have to pray today, as opposed to really pausing and remembering that we get to be with God and he wants to be with us. You see, I think this with thanksgiving part actually reminds us that this is something God has created for us, that through the work of the Spirit in our lives, as we, we interact with him, we get to be aware of his presence and talk to the Father in heaven. I mean, this is beautiful. Like, prayer should be something. We should be just thanking God for prayer itself, let alone be thanking God for what he's doing in our lives. And I think this is what Paul's getting at. What is prayer? Prayer is intentionally connecting and communicating with the real God. What is his command? Continue steadfastly in it. And what are we to do in it? Be thankfully aware of God's presence all around us. Be thankfully aware. Um, As we close today, I want to leave you with a few ideas. Maybe you're listening to me and you're like, okay, I get it. I need to pray. How do I do that? Or maybe you're a prayer warrior and this is just a good reminder to you. Um, My hope for each of us, let me be honest, if you're not, if you're somebody that's maybe new to prayer, I'm not hoping that overnight you become prayer warriors. Um, It takes time. All right? It takes a considered effort and, and build of endurance and practice. It's kind of like running a marathon. Um, I've run one marathon in my life. It's the only race I've run, and it's the last race I've run. I played sports in high school, so running was a punishment. So yeah, 26.2 miles, I'm out. All right? But my wife signed us up for it and we, before we had kids, and I love my wife. Uh, so we ran that marathon. And I learned something. Um, when you run a marathon, you don't go from couch to 26.2 miles overnight. Do you know there's an actual program called Couch to 5K? You slowly go from the couch to working up and building endurance and over time, and instead of going from couch to 26.2, you go from couch to 1K, to 2K, to, to like literally up to 5K, and you continue building this process that over time, you're built, your body, you're training your body in a way that at the end, you become a marathon warrior. I think we, in some ways, when we think about prayer life, we need to think about couch to 5K, 
How do we go just a little bit? And so my hope is to give you some examples to help you to go from a couch to 5K in your praying. And so here's, I think the first place to start is to discuss what do we talk about when we pray, right? What do we even say? Let me give you a few, few ideas. One, just talk about your life. Like just talk about your life. Talk about, think of it this way. Think of it as if you're sitting across a table having a, a great conversation with a, with, the, with a father that loves you so much that he wants to hear about what's going on. Like he already knows everything that's going on in your life, right? He's God. But here's what's so cool. Because he loves us so much, he still wants to hear it from us. He still wants to know what's going on. Just talk to him. Talk about what's going on in your life. Have conversation with him. Start with conversation. I think that's important to start there. But I, I will say there are some techniques in prayer that I found that are helpful. Um, let me put it another way. Last week I went on a road trip. I talked about it a few minutes ago real quick with two of my friends. Incredible conversations, really good. 15 hours in a car with two other dudes. For some of you, that sounds terrible. For me, that was an absolute blast. <laughs> had tons of conversations, but I, but I could tell you about the conversations we had, but we actually used a specific conversation technique that actually jump-started a lot of those conversations. Um, we would listen to a podcast, and halfway through or a third of the way through, we'd pause the podcast and talk about what we'd heard. It would literally jumpstart the conversations. We talked about prayer and all sorts of other things. It, it was gorgeous. And I think, did you know that you can actually do that same thing in prayer? It may not be a podcast, but have you ever um, prayed through the Psalms? You ever heard of this? Think of it this way. So Psalm 23, very famous Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Those are the top two lines. Think of it this way. Imagine if you go, the Lord is my shepherd. All right, God, um, I don't know many shepherds, but I know a shepherd takes care of sheep. Um, so you are a good one. Um, and the sheep are dumb, which make, makes sense. So, you know, you are my shepherd, but God, I, I just, I want, help me understand what it means for you to lead me. I shall not want. Oh man, really? God, here's what's going on in my life. Here are the thing. Do you see how that all of a sudden those two lines in Psalms become jump starters for conversations with God? And you can do that with any of the Psalms. Uh, another uh, technique I use in prayer that helps me is this, this acronym called ACTS. It's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You may have heard that before. We've talked about it here. Adoration, it's this idea of adoring or talking about who is God. Jesus, you are, and you fill in that blank. Confession, God, these are areas in my life that I've fallen short. I, I know you already know this, but I'm coming to you because I want you to know so we can have an open dialogue about it. Thanksgiving, God, thank you for being all around. <laughs> thank you for being here. And then supplication, God, supply, give me this day our daily bread. Acts, that's another one. Um, or if you're a visual person, I've actually put up a resource on the hub. Um, it's an eight course thing called the prayer course. If you go to the hub.epicos.org, it's phenomenal. Maybe you're driving, you wanna learn more about prayer. It's eight 25 to 30 minute YouTube videos of a guy talking about what is prayer. It's incredible. Um, here's the other thing, it's free. <laughs> All right, so you can go online, you can walk through that. That's another thing. And then you heard us talk about this earlier. There's another one that we as a church, as we wanna become more of a praying church, this idea of the 28 days of prayer that we're going into. If you're like, man, I don't know how to pray or where to start. Um, literally, most of us go on Instagram or social media anyways. Just go to the Epicos thing on Instagram. Every single day for two to three minutes, someone on staff or an elder is walking through a single verse in scripture, talking about what they're seeing in it, and then praying. It's literally like the training wheels of beginning to pray. We want to come alongside you. Use the 28 days of prayer. Uh, for me personally, um, as I've been wrestling with prayer, I want to talk about, for me, I've, I've recognized that I need to get back to a couch to 5K mentality. 
I've not been great in praying, but one of the things that I've been doing that's been really helping me in these last couple of weeks, um, my office is, is at West Dallas. And if you walk in before, the first thing I do when I get in there, before I even turn on the lights, um, I take off my bag, I take off my jacket, and there's a chair, not my desk chair, but a different one in the other room. I go and I sit in that chair for 15 minutes. Now, I'll be honest, the first time I did it, it I, about, after about three minutes, I got real ADD real fast and I got real, I, I, was, I was out of that chair, all right? But what I found is my soul was craving that time with God where I was looking forward to it to the next day. And the next day I went back to that chair and I sat for another four minutes. It was like a little bit longer the next day. And then the next day it was six. And all of a sudden what I found is I was growing in my prayer life to the point where my, I can feel it in my soul when I'm not. And I found like, for me, that is it the chair that's special? No, it's the devoted time with Christ in an intentional way, communicating and conversing with the real God. And so my challenge to some of you is maybe find your chair. Find your place that you can actually be with God. Maybe it's in your room. Uh, maybe it's not. Maybe you're like me and you're like, man, I don't have an office. I, I, I work in, I don't know what your job is. But what would it look like to turn off the radio on the way to work and just talk to God? Or maybe you're one like, I, I stay home. I'm a parent with kids at home. You know, we just did parent-child dedication. One of the things we talk about that and it's wanting to raise our kids the way we go. What would it look like to pray with your kids? To disciple your kids? Or to even say, hey, uh, I'm gonna take 10 minutes. I'm gonna go pray with God. Um, yes, it's okay sometimes to say, hey, watch this Bluey episode. Show your kids that this is important. I mean, I, listen, I, I would love as a church for us to become a prayer warrior church, but I know in order to do it, we gotta take steps. We gotta take one step at a time. And I think for, if we can start to take that couch to 5K mentality in prayer and understand that we are conversing with the real God who wants to be with us and how much he desires for us to know him and be with him, it, it, it just, that excites me. I can promise you prayer will change you because when you pray, we spend time with God. You, you see his heart more fully. We become aware of his presence and we'll become more like him. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Let's spend some time. I'm gonna pray for us. Let's converse with God right now. Let's pray. Father, we just come um, before you tonight. I just wanna thank you for the gift of prayer. God, I thank you that, that you gave us this, this way and this opportunity to converse with you at any time, that no matter where we are, what we're going through, that we have the ability to talk with you, that you're not a brick wall, but that you, <laughs> you, you sit there with us and you hear and you want us to know you and to see your loving, gracious, kind, merciful nature and for us to continue to grow in that. So God, I just thank you that we have this opportunity. God, even as we come together today, I, I pray that you help us to continue to want to be with you. And God, I pray for us as a church as we continue on to this year, that we become a church that, that, that is conversing with you, that is hearing from you, that prays with you. And God, I know that we have been, but I pray that we continue to do this. God, God, I know that you love us so much that you are enough. That you are enough. And I pray that we, we take that kind of mentality as we continue to bask and be in your presence. I pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.